Okay. All right, and then this. Welcome to Photography Chat with Merlin. Photography Chat with Merlin. Welcome to another episode of the Photography Chat. We got John Tyson with us here today. And this is, uh, what are we on? Episode 13, Season 3. Thanks for coming out, John. My pleasure to be here. You want to take a quick second to uh, tell the folks a little bit about you? For sure. So uh, my name is John Tyson, and uh, I got into film back in 2019. Um, actually on the recommendation of the local camera shop owner here uh, in Ottawa. And uh, ever since then, I've just been addicted, uh, just trying new things. Uh, started off a lot with color. Uh, and recently, I would say, like, October forward, I started realizing the benefits of black and white and learning how to get the blacks black and the whites white. Um, and I've been falling in love with it uh, ever since. So now stage, I'm kind of learning how to develop at home, uh, scan at home uh, and stuff like that. And I'm hoping to move towards uh, darker uh, within the next few months as well. So that's, that's cool. my photography exploration. Yeah. Is there like a community darkroom in Ottawa then, or you, you have to set up your own? community one yet there is an art school here uh, for photography and they do offer some courses for darkroom so i'm hoping to sign up for the course in uh, the spring session uh, but i did acquire the materials to set one up here at home uh, it's just i haven't quite gotten around to figuring out how to black out the windows and the door for the one room i have um, but yeah I'm, I'm hoping to do it soon um, and just yeah so that's me nice so what what kind of got you started with it like you know what was um the like sort of core experience that pulled you into the dark side of photography <laughs> um well like i said so i, I did have like a, a sony a6000 a lot of people you know who like photography that's the first one you see on youtube it's been a recommendation for years now uh, and i broke the lens on it and i thought that i couldn't find one online used all of them were new a little bit unaffordable. So that's why I went to the local camera shop owner thinking that they would have secondhand gear. Mm -hmm. uh, this camera shop owner is 100% into film. So uh, anybody in Ottawa will know Galaxy Camera. Um, a lot of people are familiar with Galaxy Camera and they do like pretty much all film. They do do digital by, by order, but mm -hmm. um, so yeah, and the more and more I chatted with him, I got into it. Um, I think uh, it was kind of like a solo journey for the first little bit because uh, I was still a little bit uh, apprehensive to message people on Instagram or get involved in any kind of community. Uh, and then I realized uh, in the pandemic that, you know, there's people out there doing the same stuff you like and mm -hmm. uh, reaching not the worst thing. So I think the first time I reached out, I saw that uh, somebody was trying to move some prints they had left over. Um, I think it was... Uh, she's been on your show, actually, Alexandria. Okay, yeah. So she was giving uh, away some prints for a reduced price or something like that. And there's one photo of hers that I actually really liked from the from the get. It was uh, one of the the carnival uh, attendants at the CNE. Okay. Uh, so I ended up 
at saying, hey, I'm interested. And then, uh, so that's probably the first time I took a chance on messaging somebody. Uh, and it seemed safe enough, it worked out. Um, and then from there forward, I would just, if something was photography related, I would just message, start a conversation. Doesn't mean a meetup would happen, but, um, you know, started getting the wheels rolling on that. And then I saw when your show came out, this is a perfect opportunity, low risk, just, you know, show up, ask a few questions, you know, learn a few things about photography. Um, there are a lot of resources I found that have been shared on your uh, show as well from other photographers. So, uh, yeah, now I'm fully into it. I, I love the sense of community that photography, specifically film photography, has. Uh, here in Ottawa, there's a group called Do It For The Green. Uh, they've been active for... <laughs> That's a little on the nose. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, they've been having actually recently a three-year anniversary workshops and um you know photo sessions and things like that which has been really cool um i got to meet quite a few people uh in person that i've been following for some time and um oh, that's cool it's just a sprinkle of magic honestly like you know uh, and that's what we yeah. need right now we need magic we really do <laughs> you know, it's um been such a long couple of years and so much so much has gone on in in this time so you know it's the like like you mentioned the community is is friggin' amazing like it's uh so many rad people that love sharing what they know and uh it's it's definitely been like one of the most welcoming communities i've had the uh the privilege to be part of yeah i agree that's cool so have you been working on any uh, projects or like you know, anything that uh, has been sort of like uh, on your mind that you want to like you know, put out there or that you've been working on? Uh, so no projects on the go right now. Um, I've just been accepting like little mini challenges from different people on Instagram. Uh, there's one challenge that's a little bit overdue and late to fulfill it, but pretty much we send 10 challenges to each other and then finish them and then send our results back so that's kind of been kind of interesting what what uh, have the challenges been like uh they've been pretty cool actually so they i think a different way and i'm finding other photographers think a completely different way and i see where their creative angles come from so for example i think maybe i thought a bit technical and i said crab and exposure where uh the person is actually a dark silhouette and okay. that was one of my challenges but my challenge had prompted me to think about what is meaningful to me in the story. So, uh, you know, what's your favorite song? And try to take a picture based on that song. Huh. So it, it was a, it's still a thinker. I haven't finished that one. Uh, there was like a seriously uh, stumpers on there for sure. Um, so I like it. It's uh, originally I kind of did that with uh, before the pandemic hit. Um, I was still in school for the second time. And I just bought a couple um, uh, point and shoots because it was very easy to find and very affordable. Yeah. And I packed it around my classroom with the list of 10 challenges. And I wanted to see what my classmates would get uh, just as people, right? Not necessarily photographers. So after that, I was kind of telling other people about this challenge I did at school. And they were like, hey, I'd like to do that challenge with you as a photographer and see what we can come up with, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I think the best one I've done so far, I've been challenged to do double exposures. I never did them until I got the challenge. Okay. And 
There's one that I'm saving to submit for the challenge, but the other ones I shared a little bit here and there on Instagram stories. Um, but it, there's something magical about filling the dark void of your first shot with another uh, exposure and it just landing perfectly. Um, so I think that's probably like one of the, the coolest things I've gotten out of the challenge is finally breaking the barrier of doing a double exposure. I think there's some other people on the call right now who have done double exposures extensively and I kind of took uh, her inspiration of doing them consistently on each hole. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, uh, if I were to kind of like, I don't have it grounded, but I do have some ideas for photography projects. Uh, so one is kind of like a series of looking in the mirror where I would take a picture of two people, regardless of who they are. Um, but it would kind of be as if you're the mirror the, yourself. So let's say there's a couple getting ready to, uh, you know, go out for the day and it's the scenes in the washroom. I would try to like get, get it as if you're the perspective of the mirror. So that's one of my ideas. Uh, the other one is kind of like trying to write out a storyline and then grab enough stills that somebody could flip through the book and understand what's going through the story. And there would be kind of two or three parties involved in it. And they all end up meeting each other at the end somehow. Um, so a lot of journaling is coming out of photography, I found. Um, uh, cool. I haven't quite moved on and acted on it quite yet, but uh, I'm hoping to start using it to tell stories as well. Someone asks here, uh, M. MLMJT says, what genre of story? And also, what's up, Tim and JP the goat? <laughs> uh, so the first story I was thinking was uh, betrayal. So I was Ooh. thinking for couples of different varieties. And you would kind of follow the stories of the couples, but somehow, and I am quite literally ripping it off of a, a funny movie I saw. Um, I'm blanking on the title, but I'm sure somebody might recognize it. Steve Carell's in the movie. Um, and at the end, they all somehow like come together and they didn't know that they knew each other. That's kind of what I want to try out is what I wrote in my journal. Um, but yeah, so something with betrayal, something a little bit more somber, uh, that's kind of the genre I want to go for. Let's see here, Steve Carell movies. I don't know which one that would be. He's done so, so many. So, uh, uh. What's the famous uh, actor that's Canadian, heartthrobby? Ryan, um, Ryan Reynolds? Ryan Gosling and Steve Carell and Emma Stone. Ryan Gosling's Canadian? What? I thought he was. Oh, fuck, I don't know. Wouldn't surprise he, me. Emma Stone. Shit, I don't know which one that would have been. But I do like his movies. Yeah, Photo T83 says Ryan Gosling. <laughs> <laughs> crazy stupid, stupid love. love yeah i don't think i've ever seen that one yeah i watched it a couple times just uh 2011 i'm surprised i haven't seen it julianne morn i kind of got a thing for that lady <laughs> <laughs> i have to check this out now yeah it's someone says one. he's from bc so that's funny we've got like yeah, you know, the the dueling Canadian Ryans who are out there being heartthrobs and shit. Yeah, <laughs> <clears throat> I'm more of a Ryan Reynolds guy because you know Blade and all that kind of shit. But I understand. 
that's cool what are the other genres you're thinking of is that like the betrayal ones the the first one so far yeah i want it to be the first one so far um i think it kind of came out of the technical video i was watching on youtube and pretty much it was teaching us if you make the background light this f-stop and then you contrast it with the, the subject light as this f-stop you'll create a somber mood hmm. so i was thinking like oh like maybe I should watch more lighting videos and try to do this uh, as a project project, like where I plan it out, uh, find people, you know, get a scene set up, something like that, um, as like a more of a passion project than anything to release. But um, it kind of came from there. And they were also kind of explaining uh, how to do lighting for more cheery, up, up, uh, upbeat kind of scenes and stuff like that too. So I think I took a little bit of notes and I thought like, okay, well, which one do I want to go for? Like, and then also because of the black and white, I really think somber would work very good with black and white. Mm -hmm. uh, like high contrast. So picking the film also might be something I got to do some research on that provides high contrast naturally, I guess. Um, Eastman double X. Double X. Yeah. So film photography project makes a version of it, which is only 24 rolls, which are 24 exposures. Which I kind of mm -hmm. fucking hate 24 exposure rolls. Um, mm. Cine still makes a version of it, um, just called Double X. Um, Downtown Camera has it in stock usually, um, or you can buy it straight from Cine still. Um, and other people like hand roll it too. But like Eastman Double X, um, it has some really, really nice contrast to it. And it's, um, it's a 250 ISO, so it does give you some room there to, to play with. If you want something that's like crazy, crazy contrasty, um, Ferrania P30 um, has some wicked contrast to it, but it's an 80 ISO film, that's and okay. it's kind of an asshole to work with sometimes. Like if if you don't like nail nail your exposure with it, it's very unforgiving. But when you nail it and and you get it right, it is it is such a beautiful film. But Double um, X is nice because like it's it's pretty forgiving so it's it's got some good latitude to it so yeah right on. i think there because i can't see the whole chat but there's one question that i just missed because the chat went off oh uh, someone says how do you balance passion projects with work uh it's difficult <laughs> i feel like i designate my sunday morning for going out whether uh, for photography whether it's just for a walk or uh, try to fix some cameras or stuff like that but uh, weekends and some evenings is kind of like when I try to get it in. Uh, but I try to dedicate like all of Sunday to like just do my personal kind of stuff that I want to like get a hold of. Um, the other thing I would say, and this is like, I guess, personal to me is, um, you know how like you were able to make like little mind maps in school in younger years with shapes and you could put the words in and stuff like that. Um, I like to like, if I'm really passionate about um, a project, I'll go on the computer and make a mind map and okay. kind of print out, like, these are the items that, okay, well, here's the whole project and I have to break it down and say, well, in order to complete this project that I've envisioned, I need these smaller items to be done. And then I put them in the mind map and then I have little tabs going down. I'm like, okay, well, uh, you know, this date will do two hours of this, this date will do two hours of that. So it's not necessarily uh, anything project management, I would say. Uh, but 
every time I've done something like that, my passion project has been completed. And uh, when I do that, it's also easier to see like, okay, well, this is what I have to get done, but I also have to do personal uh, work. I have to go to work as well. Um, I have to take care of chores, take care of myself, of course. <laughs> um, have to factor that in. So I think that's the, uh, when I've had success completing a passion project, that's when I've, that's the technique that's worked the best for me. Um, and I think it's like a visual thing, just seeing it laid out as opposed to like, you know, oh, I got to get this done, what's that done? And it's in your head and it's jumbled. And then I find that I get my own, a little bit psyched out and I don't get anything done, mm -hmm. even though I had the day and I could have got one item done. So uh, yeah, ever since I kind of like figured out visually planning it out, laying it out um, with any type of mind mapping software, um, it works. I used to do it by hand too. <laughs> so That's there funny. shouldn't be any barriers if you want to try my technique out. Um, <laughs> there's two videos from some people swear by it. So um, I will say this, YouTube is like the father I never had. <laughs> I learned a lot from you. <laughs> well, as long as you're not seeking validation from YouTube, then you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> so be careful. Like, why doesn't YouTube say it loves me? <laughs> <laughs> I just want an attaboy. Actually, that would be fucking hilarious if, like, YouTube not only like you know how they give the play things out to people, they yeah. should give like attaboys to people who like consume massive amounts of like YouTube thing, being like, you know. We're daddy now. We realize you spend a lot of time with us, so let's acknowledge that, and you know we'll take you under the fold of the YouTube family. That'd be kind of hilarious. Yeah, and uh, since we're on YouTube, there's some other comments and observations I had. Uh, so I noticed that some people like explicitly have made channels um, to teach children that may not have had a father figure how to do this in the house, how to do that in the house, and then. I notice more and more people are coming out that don't quite fit the genre. Like, let's say car videos. Now, that's a male-dominated genre, right? But there's actually a lot of people out there giving you tutorials on different car items that are women or trans. Uh, and I thought it was kind of... I was very surprised to see that. And I think it's kind of cool that that's becoming more mainstream. And uh, so well, you could you for your community. It's been like that for a long time, I think, because I, I used to work in the automotive industry before I went to the dark side with computers and shit. And, um, mm -hmm. yeah, there's a lot of, like, in anything, you know, it's it's always a sausage fest. But, you know, there was always, like, you know, a, a good amount of, like, you know, other gender representation there. And, like, you know, one of my favorite... Um, one of my favorite people when I was doing like the car audio stuff way back in the day was Alma Gates. And she was like legendary for being like this grandma who in her retirement decided she wanted to get into like, um, sound competitions and like make these like crazy high performance, like, you know, blow out your eardrums, like bass vehicles and stuff. And she was a fucking legend. Like that was like one of the coolest parts of my career was like getting to meet her at a sound competition, um, that she came up to in Port Kells. And, uh, yeah, but it, it is cool that like, you know, there's a lot of that. I do see that on TikTok a lot where there's like a lot of, um, you know, female and trans, um, creators that are making this really cool content that unfortunately a lot of like, you know, tiny ego men, um, <laughs> 
kind of shit on where it's like you don't know what you're talking about it's like yo this person's a mechanic they definitely know what they're talking about like you know calm down your sexism bud um and i feel like there's a degree of that too in the photography community where it is like you know still pretty male dominated and there's a lot of mansplaining and you know i've had like old dude with cameras mansplain shit to me too and it's just like cool your jets man <laughs> yeah i think the key is just to like listen if yeah. if somebody you know mentioning something to you it's obviously that they can they well first of all they like you enough to let you know that hey man you know this is what you're doing i'd like to let you know so i think that's the key as i was growing up i i would say like first year second year at university is just like the kind people who called me out and i had no idea right because i come from a different background and uh a little bit of a rougher family situation so those male figures weren't quite there hmm. um, but yeah I, I it's just it's just nice for me to see when i get great advice and like my problems are solved and it came from a place that i would have never thought would make it in this world and so it's nice to quit. thanks youtube <laughs> yeah <laughs> i do have to say you sound way more organized than me the closest thing i have to organization is Sometimes I'll remember to put shit in my Outlook calendar. And then I have this whiteboard that's on my bathroom door where I write things that I need to remember, but then I forget that I wrote them there. And I'm just like, what the shit does that even mean? And, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm terrible with the organization of things. It comes in a go. I have, I have my downs as well, I would say. But, uh, no, I've, I've definitely been working on it for years, like maybe like 10 years trying to get um but yeah that's very cool so what has been like one of um the most interesting things that's happened to you so far since you've started in this journey with photography so i guess um like an interesting event or like uh any it could smaller... be like an, an event or um you know just some something that like happened to you that like stuck out where it's like it could have been like a photo that you took that meant a lot or like an interaction you had with someone or yeah okay um i think i think i have a story from like maybe the third role of film a shot so um i lived in ottawa for about six months in 2019 before i moved away um and now i'm back here i just moved back here um so i wasn't you know aware of ottawa celebrities or you know the local people that everybody knows but uh there was like three times where i saw this gentleman very very well dressed uh and i thought he was so well dressed that in my head i'm imagining he's walking in slow motion because i'm driving <laughs> by, or i see him at the bus stop or i see him like downtown uh etc cetera, etc cetera. and I, I said to myself like man i gotta work up the courage to ask this gentleman for a photo and then i think one time um i did catch him while i was on foot and I went up to him and I asked him, hey, uh, I've seen you around town. You have impeccable style. And I was wondering if I could take a photo of you. Um, so just for reference, in the photos that were shared, uh, it's the gentleman in the suit uh, that, I, that I'm speaking of. Okay. Yeah, I like that one. That's a cool shot. So anyways, he didn't say anything for 45 seconds. And I was just okay. about to thought maybe I had uh, you know, offended him or whatever it might have been. And then he just briefly said the words, where will it go? And I said, well, I would obviously share it with you and maybe Instagram if it ever, uh, you know, comes out good. This is film. I have to do it. Blah, blah, blah. 
and uh, he was just so in character. I'm not even sure. Like uh, I was intimidated a little bit, but like he just posed. I took the photo, and then in I thought it was in slow motion. Maybe it wasn't in slow motion, but he takes the business card out and gives it to me. And then as he's taking off, I realize this is in slow motion. It's a like it's his thing. It's like an artistic character that he's doing in real life. Okay. Um, anyways, his name on Instagram is by Diz and turns out in Ottawa, quite a few people have known him to be doing this. I think he is also an artist by trade as well, a graphic designer. And, uh, I thought it was one of the most strangest experiences because when he gave me that business card, I, I just realized, wow, did I take a picture of a celebrity? <laughs> uh, and I think he liked it too. And he used it for one of his, uh, uh, campaigns online as well so it was really cool and really heartwarming so that was one of them there's a lot of different cool people I've been able to strike a conversation with uh, just by asking for a photo um, and I know we, I think you've mentioned a couple times you like giving the photo at the end of your interactions which is kind of a bonus because you have the Polaroid on you at most times right yeah so that's one of the things I, I like giving people photos so like oftentimes if I take a photo of someone on the streets um, I, I don't have a copy of it. I give them the only copy that ever exists of that. Um, when it's friends, what I often do, if it's someone that I haven't seen in a while that I'm catching up with, um, I'm always like, let's play a game. I'm going to take two shots and mm -hmm. you get to pick which one you like. And then I keep the other one. And then we both have like a memento from like that, you know, catching up kind of thing. And, uh, Yeah. Those are the two things. And then it's usually either um, Instax Square um, with the Lomography um, Square camera or um, you know, Polaroid with one of the, the various Polaroids, which you know, right now I've just been using the One Step Plus. But um, hopefully soon Zane will be done my SX-70s and uh, 680s and I'll be able to play with those again. I miss those guys. Yeah, those are pretty nice humans. They are. <laughs> it's kind of funny because, like, when I first saw them and then I saw how much they were, I'm like, oh man, I'm never going to be able to get one of these. They're so damn expensive. And now I have a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. Like, I didn't pay, like, huge price for a lot of them, but um, I did spend a bit, like, getting some of them refurbished and customized and stuff because it's like, you know, when you're tricking out a car, you could do all sorts of crazy things with it. So. Um, I've had a couple of them sort of tricked out by Zane. Nice. I think um, one thing that I'm noticing with cameras that people, because uh, th these are not new units, right? Um, people often are getting cameras. Uh, maybe it's a good deal. Maybe it's overpriced. But I'm finding more and more people are having cameras that need servicing. Mm -hmm. And it's harder and harder to find these days. Um, I was lucky enough to find somebody out in Kingston that services them. Uh, so whenever I get a camera, I test it out with the roll and uh, my love for Pentax is too much, but all of these Pentaxes <laughs> are fully mechanical and uh, often the shutter speeds are completely off to the point where half the frame is blacked out because the two shut two curtains are not quite linked Insane. up. Right? Um, so anyways, uh, you know, I think uh, some people get stumped, and uh, I've even seen the same issue on a lot of photos that get posted online. People are like, oh, darn, like my camera is this or that. And I love sending them YouTube videos and be like, hey, this is what's going on with your unit. 
you can try fixing it at home. And, uh, you know, I think it's just fun, like, when people are able to, like, message you and kind of help you out. And then I love doing it when I can, uh, you know, especially because there's YouTube videos where it has the whole explanation there for them, right? And they can help themselves. And, yeah, I, I am wondering, like, when I know there's jibber-jabber and uh, talk of, like, uh, re-releasing a film camera. Uh, I'm not sure if anybody else spoke of re-releasing a brand new film camera. Well, I uh, think Leica is one of the few that you can still buy a new film camera from because it's um, you can still buy the MP and the MA from them, which are oh, ridiculously expensive. But um, beautiful cameras. Um, yeah, they work super well. I've, I've been using an M3 for the last little bit, and you know, it's I never really understood the hype until I used one, and I was like, okay, I get it now. <laughs> But that being said, um, there's lots of other cool rangefinder cameras out there that will give you a similar feel that um, won't break the bank, like uh, the Roly XF35, a very cool little rangefinder camera. Um, you know, maybe I think probably like three to four hundred now with hipster prices, uh, mm-hmm. but it has a really nice fast lens on it. Um, I think it's like a one or a, a two maybe 1.8. I can't remember. It's great for street photography. They're very quiet. Like the shutter on it is just like, click. like that's it. It's just, um, really cool for that kind of stuff. Um, the Russian Zorkies are really fucking cool too. Um, and you can find those for a couple hundred bucks with a collapsible lens. And the Zorkies are cool because they use the Leica thread mount. So mm-hmm. if you want to play with Leica thread mount glass, you can buy a Zorky for like a hundred, 200 bucks and then throw like a glass on it. And you're effectively taking like a pictures because it's through like a glass. You just didn't pay $4,000 for the body. <laughs> so it's, I think that's the perspective more people should kind of take too, right? Cause uh, you know, at the end of the day, what is a camera? Just a box that sets your shutter speed, right? Exactly. That That's the thing. Like, um, you know, it's, it's the glass that kind of gives it that sort of, um, that, that look, feel, whatever. So if it's like, if you want that sort of like a look, you can buy yourself like a nice collapsible 50 mil Sumicron LTM for, a, I think they go for like four or 500 bucks and then buy like a hundred dollar Zorky body. So for like, you know, six, 700 bucks, you can kind of have like a Leica setup and, uh, the Zorky still gives you that sort of infuriating like a feeling of having to cut the uh the leader so it fits in right so it's like you know you get the whole Leica experience it's just you don't have to spend um all that money uh yeah apparently like like a glass has a look which is why why people like it i sold my zorky um at the last camera show and i kind of regret it because i miss it it was a cool camera but i was like i'm not using it very much so i'm hoping it's finding new love now but yeah, there's there's cheaper alternatives to Leica out there, but um, yeah, it'd be cool if more companies started making like new real film cameras. Like I know there's lots of like disposables and reusables out there, um, which are honestly kind of cool. Like I bought my niece and nephew one of the um, Kentmere reusable cameras, which um, if you want to play with like a cool reusable camera. The Kentmere one's a hell of a deal. It's like 40 bucks, and it comes with two rolls of um, Kentmere 400. Well, there's so, your money right 
Yeah, well, that, that's <laughs> most of the money there. It's like, you know, that they're like, what, 10, 12 bucks a roll. So it's like, you know, half of the money is just in the two film rolls that come with it. But, um, you know, they're hella robust cameras. Like, I gave them to, like, a, a six- and a seven-year-old, and, you know, the six-year-old managed to beat the shit out of his pretty hard. But it still took pictures, even though it was held together with literally Band-Aids. Um, <laughs> but uh, they took really cool pictures. Um, so, you know, it's you don't need something fancy to, like, make cool images. Um, you know. I mean, if, if you can't take a picture with like a $10,000 camera or with like a you know $50 camera, you're not going to take a better picture with a $10,000 camera. That's true. Uh, I'm just trying to think of, um, I'm pretty sure it's not like a secret anymore. Like people in the film community are, are catching on to the 90s cameras and the early 2000s cameras. I'm talking about those Canon digital looking bodies, but they're still film bodies. Mm-hmm. Price point. Um, and you can literally put an e-mount lens of any generation and they take pictures. So kind of almost any generation, um, Canon changed their mounts around a lot more than Nikon did. So if you want something that has like really, really crazy backwards compatibility, like the Nikon, um, you know, feel like the F80, is a really great little guy even the f75 and f65 those are really good ones um the f100 absolute classic but the thing with like the lens mount on those ones is like any of the nikon f mounts more or less will work on um those those bodies which um is kind of cool because you could find nikon f mount glass for like super super cheap um since canon changed their lens mount around so much you can't use some of the older shit with um, with the camera body, so it's like you're forced to buy something that might be a little bit more expensive, um, which is how I ended up becoming a Nikon whore because lens compatibility was even better. Yeah, the F5 is great too. My my uh, usual go-to film camera is an F5, and I absolutely love that camera. It's a beast. It's the I think that's the camera that you pasted this machine freezes time. Um, is that another? This machine stops time. Stops time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it that and so that camera's name is uh, Woodrow, um, which is like a nod to Woody Guthrie, and okay. like that was his favorite famous line was uh, "This machine kills fascists" on his guitars. So, you know, my camera, this machine stops time because it uh, you know freezes time in those images. Nice. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's been wild owning that camera because it got stolen from me at one point and was gone for a little over a month. And uh, a friend found it on like an online sale thing that I think is like no longer. But went and confronted the guy and got it back, and that was a real fucked up experience. Was that? Like the guy gave it back after being confronted, or <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a, a weird thing. So. Um, it got stolen at a, a gallery show that I was doing for mental health, which oh. is, <laughs> it was kind of like wicked ironic that a tool that I use for my, like primarily for my own mental health mm-hmm. got stolen at an event that was to promote mental health. <laughs> so it was just like, this is a little weird, kind of funny. <laughs> um, yeah, 
he got stolen there and luckily i had pictures of the camera with my serial number on it and i printed that up and there was some like dings and marks on the camera that i recognized in the pictures he posted where i was like this is definitely my fucking camera like i'm 99 percent sure it's mine so i brought the printout with the serial number a friend of mine came to help me confront this guy. She pretended to be my girlfriend and that we were buying the camera for her for like art school. And so as soon as we got there, she's like, Oh, can I look at the camera? And so she was holding on to it and she like looked at the serial number in the car and memorized it. And she's like, yeah, this is your camera. And I was just like, all right, man, I'm going to take it. And, uh, I pulled out the copy of my serial number and like handed it to him. And he opened it up. He's like, the fuck is this? And I'm like, this is my camera. I have an open police report on the theft of this and uh, we're just going to leave and take it now. And if you try to do anything, I'm going to like give all the information that I've gotten from you so far to the police and ask them to charge you to the whatever fucking extent they can. And he's like, whoa, 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 man, I didn't steal it. And I'm like, no, shut the fuck up. You know, it was stolen and now we're here. So, you know, if you didn't steal it, you obviously know who did and so you can't backtrack on any of, any of this shit because, like, you know, it was stolen It's St. Clair, like, like way, way west. And so it's like it was stolen St. Clair, and it was, like, 10 minutes from my house in Scarborough was where I ended up, like, picking it up. So I was just like, you obviously know who took this. And I was like, you know, if you do talk to them, just let them know how shitty it is to fucking steal something from, like, someone. I'm like... You know, obviously they probably need some help if they like stealing shit like that. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I hope they can get that help and like, just let them know, like if they're going to steal shit, fucking steal it from like Henry's instead of stealing it from Henry, like take it from somewhere that has like loss prevention and shit like that. Cause it sucks to steal it from a person who, you know, might really need that thing or can't afford to replace it. Like, you know, fucking steal shit from places that like have insurance for that kind of stuff. And he's like, try to shake my hand. I'm like, I'm not fucking your pal. Like, <laughs> this is, we're not friends. This is not, a, we're not cool at all. Man. <laughs> like, you have my stolen shit. He's like, okay, well, whatever. I'm like, yeah, it was a really fucked up experience. Cause like, I just like got so worked up about it. And even like, after we got back in the car, I was like, I just need to like sit here for a few minutes. Cause like my stomach was doing like backflips. Yeah. It was just so like, he was a big scary looking dude. And so I'm just like, I was talking shit. Like I was going to like cut him or something. And I'm like, yeah, if this guy tried to come at me, we'd be fucking done. <laughs> well, yeah. that's quite right. I don't think I've heard that one to be honest. Um, that's really cool. That you're able to get it back. Um, Dang, I would have been nervous to approach, I think. I think I would have probably not done it. But I guess you had backup, too, so that helps. Yeah, and Brandy, she's pretty tough. So, like, you know, I definitely would have had my ass handed to me, but she definitely would have kicked that dude's ass. So (laughs) it pays to have tough friends, you know. Yeah. And again, beating gender norms, like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but since then, that camera hasn't really left my sight. Like, it's either at home or if I take it with me traveling, it's, like, always with me. So, yeah. I'm going to be sad when it finally breaks because I know at some point the electronics will give out on it. And, you know, that's the one thing that's kind of a bummer with all these, like, you know, electronic-based cameras that at some point they're going to fucking die. And, you know, it's hard enough getting someone to try and fix a mechanical camera, let alone 
an electrical one. So, but if you do have a camera that needs some love, there's also a guy in Calgary who goes by YYC lens medic. That yep. is also very good. So Pretty if you have a camera that needs some love, hit them up. Or if you're in Toronto, uh, downtown camera, uh, Nigel there is really good with little quick fixes. And um, if it needs more than what Nigel can fix on the spot, they know some really good peeps that they can send stuff out to. So, yeah. yeah. Right on. That's some cool stuff. Uh, yeah, exactly. I'm looking forward to like hearing about this uh, this project, though, like seeing where your double exposure project goes, because that sounds really interesting. Yeah, um, it's. It's been a journey. I've been doing it on black and white. I've only done one roll so far. Uh, well, two rolls. The first roll didn't yield any good results, uh, mm. mostly because they didn't line up the way I wanted them to. Uh, so I used like the Pentax, and I just manually pushed that uh, rewind button and then held the the rewind lever crank. Mm-hmm. And then I did hopefully thinking that just the shutter would get caught. But it still moved the piece of film a little bit this way, a little bit that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that worked out. Um, but then I went to my trusty Canon EOS, you know, 90s based system, and you just press a button and you can say two exposures, three exposures, all the way up to nine exposures. And I said two exposures when I needed it. And uh, it held the piece of film right there for me. Um, and I think with that one, it took a while for me to wrap my head around the theory of well, the film can only be exposed so much. So I realized, okay, well, maybe I should take whatever I'm reading and half it. And then for the second one, half it as well. But then you also kind of have to hunt down because like black and white has great, you know, you could shoot it this way or that way from the correct exposure um, that the camera says. Mm-hmm. And it's probably going to be fine, right? So what you need to find is kind of, at least for me, I found in my experience, um, you need to find dramatic light. So here's a building which fully lit on this side and then on the other side it's completely dark because it's in an alleyway. And then when you take your second picture, put whatever you want in that second picture in the dark parts and try to make sure that the light parts of your first one is dark on your second part. Or, and this is kind of like my thing that I don't know anybody's talking about online quite yet, is take your lens cap and like, not like fully put a cover but like just gently put enough of a shadow that you think that the second exposure won't wreck that highlight detail from the first one. And it seems to be working. Uh, I think there's one example that I shared uh, for the post for tonight's show. Uh, It's uh, pretty much a picture of uh, the first exposure was the church uh, doorway or kind of roof. And then Mm -hmm. the next one is quite literally an advertisement posted on just a pole and uh, the guy was looking pretty stoic and uh, you know since it's already advertised I'm not going to have any copyright issues uh, so I just kind of gently put a little bit of my lens cap over the top Okay. not like enough that it would get to the bottom of the doorway because then everything would get washed out is what I mm. found in my first experience but just enough because I knew that second exposure was a bright throughout the whole frame right there wasn't a dark point at the top but there were other double exposures that I was able to um, just naturally see like, oh, oh yeah, this was dark in that part of the frame. And, you know, because these Canon EOSs have these little dots, like there's five dots for the autofocus points, I'll be like, 
it was dark from the second autofocus point up so let me find like a lighter thing from here or like flip it around or um yeah i'm probably talking gibberish so it only makes sense no no it's, it's not gibberish because it's, it's kind of cool to hear this stuff because like honestly i'm all <laughs> thumbs when it comes to like multiple exposure shit i'm just like i push the button that makes it do the thing and then i do stuff and or i accidentally forget that like i shot a roll and then just like reload it <laughs> and have accidental double exposures where i'm like just like fuck yeah i didn't actually yeah. want to like ruin those photos so this is informative for me because i have I, I have to be honest i don't really school myself much on the technical stuff i'm like one of those people that um I use aperture priority all the time on my F5. And I love that. Yeah, it's the best. And then when I'm shooting my like Fuji digital, it's all auto. I just fucking sometimes I put the aperture to like um like F2 or like F12 if I'm shooting uh, my 56mm lens. That's the only thing I everything else is auto cuz I'm fucking lazy. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say, um since we're talking about love for auto, I got to say I love how smart these point and shoot cameras are. I just recently shot a, a roll through a point and shoot camera after a long time. And um, they're smart. They got some kind of wicked microcomputer in there that, like, if it has more than one autofocus point in that little point and shoot, it's smart enough to figure out the exposure. And if you think it's not smart enough to figure out the exposure, hover um, whatever autofocus point you have on your point and shoot camera. Mm -hmm. And then move it over to whatever you want it to frame. And um, CB Davy here says that Koken makes a double exposure filter that you can black out half the frame. That's pretty cool. Oh, that's actually smart. I got it right now. Actually, uh, CP Davy's Chris Davy, one of the cool friends I made uh, through Instagram uh, back when I was in Toronto, just before I moved. Uh, oh, cool. And he. He's also a lot of fun to shoot with. Uh, I think currently he's doing a lot of like nature photos mm -hmm. on film. He got a nice zoom lens that worked with an EOS film body. Uh, so you could, you guys can check him out if uh, you know you guys are into more nature photos and like just Toronto landscapes. He's got a good coverage on them. Uh, but yeah, I've always been sharing tips back and forth with Chris and uh, sharing rides to the downtown camera to drop our film off in the middle of the night. Uh, so yeah, uh, just an example of like how you know you can find friendships on uh, Instagram. Just Absolutely. Put it up. And yeah. P was asking, "What Fuji do I have? Um, I've got an X Pro Two and an XT Two. Um, I use the XT Two when I'm doing studio stuff, and the X Pro Two for like just wandering around on the streets and stuff. And I resisted the Fuji side because I really don't like them for killing pack film um but they do make a really nice fucking digital camera so i've had to eat some crow on that one i like the way they have um those new in-body simulations mm -hmm. those are pretty darn good i would say they, they do a really good job i i remember seeing an account and i was like oh great a film account and i was like following I'm like man like what stock is this? Like, what, what stock is this? Like, he's never advertised <laughs> the details of what he's shooting on. It's like, not film, it's all it digital. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, like, my, my feed now, since moving to Vancouver, has been a mix of, like, film and digital. Because um, I'm still... 
I, I miss downtown camera a lot and I didn't realize how much downtown camera enabled me to shoot film almost like digital. Cause, yeah. um, you know, I could shoot three or four rolls out on a photo walk, drop it off to them on the way home. And within like a day or two, get all my photos. Um, and that's usually a lot faster than when I shoot digital. Cause it's like, I'll shoot a bunch of stuff on the Fuji and then I'll upload it onto my NAS and then I'll be like, I don't really want to edit it and it'll sit there for a few days or weeks. And then I'll be like, okay, I'll edit it. And then I'm like, I fucking hate editing things. <laughs> so it's just, yeah, I, I, I miss the enablement that downtown gave me because yeah. Oh, I definitely do. Yeah. I, I think the coolest thing that came out of the pandemic with regards to downtown camera is their Dropbox because every time, even though downtown camera was accessible, uh, you know, if you don't live in the downtown core, uh, you know, my sister does, so I would like routinely drop off 10 rolls for her to take it, but you know, it has to be before five in the, in the afternoon, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I thought it was really cool they got the Dropbox because after that I would do midnight rides down the dvp just to drop off my film and i felt like batman just riding down the dvp freaking dropping off my film like tomorrow i will have pictures <laughs> <laughs> i think it's yeah they got a good system there and like i've i've rarely ever had any issues uh with development or scanning their scan quality is actually really good their scan um, quality is so fucking good and yeah. I rarely ever get anything other than JPEG because I found the JPEG quality to just be fucking phenomenal. Like all my book projects um, have all been just the JPEG ones. Um, when I do prints and stuff, it's all the JPEG stuff. Like, you know, I've done prints uh, like 11 by 14, no problem. Like, you know, their, their quality is great. And that's what spoiled me because I haven't really found a place out here that um, offers the same level of like quality and price and all of that uh, here in Vancouver, like rocket reproductions gotten close. So um, they're the lab that I use here in Vancouver for stuff that I'm not as concerned with. Um, stuff that's really, really important to me still gets mailed to Toronto. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just mailed a bunch of stuff this week to them. So, um, fab just let me know that they got it. So this time next week, I'll have my photos. <laughs> I don't know if they still do it, but the first time I used a uh, downtown camera, I had about maybe 20 rolls altogether. Cause I, I was living in Ottawa and I just saved those summer rolls. And when I sent it in, because I guess it was a big enough order, they gave me a membership. Uh, yeah, the AMFM. Yeah. And uh, I still think the membership's good. I haven't, obviously, I haven't purchased from downtown Canada since moving here, but um, they give quite a good discount on Kodak um, and other products as well if you're buying film. Yeah, here let's let's look it up so we can we can do a plug and yeah, just to say, not sponsored by Downtown Camera, but I do. <laughs> love them a lot and i've spent more money there than i like to think about it's so easy and so quick to go through i used to wait a week for the the scans back and uh actually uh, chris that you guys saw in the chat convinced me that uh it's worth the next day fee 
to get your pictures. It's it's actually quite magical. Just going out for a shoot, finishing the roll, getting the pictures the next day. Oh. All right. So here is the analog member film member AMFM club. It's $25 to sign up for it. And it's each year. If you're a student yep. or teacher, um, then it's only 15 bucks. Or if you spend over $200, um, you get it for free. And uh, the membership perks are you get 25% off of all Kodak film and chemistry, uh, 25% off of flick film chemistry. I'm not sure what that is. 25% off single use batteries, 25% uh, off of their hand rolled downtown camera film that they've started doing, 10% uh, off of all other film, and 10% off of darkroom chemicals and supplies, and 5% off of photo finishing. And there's a bunch of like exclusive stuff that if you're an AMFM member, um, yep. you know, you get a bunch of stuff in there, uh, which is cool. So it's totally worth it. And then when you sign up for it, you get a free roll of Kodak film. Oh, or they do a Kodak disposable camera now. That's cool. So you can either do a roll of film or a Kodak disposable camera when you renew. So it's almost like basically free. Like, especially now that Portra is like 24 bucks. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a good deal. And uh, <clears throat> I've always wondered, like, because uh, other camera shops uh, I'm visiting also do memberships as well. Uh, the one in Ottawa has a membership too. And it, it, I think it's worth it even if you just get like 10 rolls in a year, right? Um, so I think there might have been a question, but it went up on my chat. I can't quite see the whole thing. Someone's like, could I borrow someone's film and give you back the canister? <laughs> That's terrible. No, you can't steal film from me. That's funny. Uh, um, where is it here? And Pete says, your stories make me wish I shot 35 millimeter. <laughs> Just shoot more film 35 millimeter, man. You could totally do that. Yeah. Where is it here? Yeah, it, it's definitely the downtown camera thing is really fucking cool. Um, I would highly suggest it if you live in Canada. If you live in the States, Freestyle has some really good deals on film and stuff. Definitely worth checking out. B&H has, has a bunch of stuff too. So um, yeah, those are your, your options down there for show. And uh, yeah, you just got to keep spending money because... Um, that's how we keep it alive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's someone asked me once, like if, if um, I knew how much money I've spent on oh. film <laughs> and developing and stuff since I started doing film in 2017. And this was in like 2019 and I started like working it out in my head and then I'm like, I don't really want to play this game anymore. I don't like it. <laughs> I did check the one year um, and I, I wasn't shooting as much back then, but I did buy and develop and uh, scan with the downtown camera that year. So I kept all the receipts and added them up. I think it was about $1,300 uh, for the whole year. And I did get quite a few photos out of it, but more importantly, I got a lot of enjoyment. So that's the way I kind of justified it. The other way I kind of justified it is when I was a smoker, I spent more money. 
<laughs> yeah, so that's how I justify it is I spend uh, I, I don't do drugs or drink anymore at the same volume I used to when I was younger. So, you know, just the money that I spent on those addictions now just go to um, film. Not as much, though, since I've moved here, my film costs. And also since Kodak started raising their film prices to ungodly levels. Um, you know, sorry, Tim, I, I want to support Kodak more, but it's so goddamn expensive. Um, yeah, like I, I stopped by Rocket Reproduction here in Vancouver to drop off a couple roll of films. And a roll of Superior 400 was like nine ninety nine. And a roll of Portra four hundred was twenty four ninety nine. Oh goodness gracious! Yeah, I think I have enough of a supply from a year or two ago that I'm just working on it. Um, but I still buy uh, film. I, I still end up buying. That's the problem. You go in, and you see something you're like, oh man, like, where are the prices go? I better. Did you? Did you? Jump, yeah. Apparently, Fuji is going to be hiking their prices up sixty percent. Fuck, like sixty. Did you um, jump in on the Cinestill uh, filmmaker thing where they were doing the 400D? I have not. Um, I'm thinking about it. I don't know if I should. I guess it's going to be cheaper than what retail would be. Um, I'm just trying to work through a roll of um, prototype 400D from downtown camera. Okay. Uh, so once I finish that, I'm going to look at it and see if this is my jam or not. Uh, and then hopefully there's still enough like spaces. Maybe there's a seven roll space or a ten roll space that I could maybe get in on. Um, but while we're talking about film, I was wondering if we could both shoot back and forth for the budget friendly and why you might like it. Because I'd love to plug my budget friendly one for the chat members here. Sure. Uh, so I would say, and uh, I think it's slept on, but Pro Image 100. At the time I was buying it was maybe $9 before the price act. Maybe it's like 11 now. Uh, it might be um, a bit more now. Let's let's see what Pro Image is going for on downtown camera right now. 1365. Okay, so I got it at a good time. Um, but the results are phenomenal. Um, if you find like you don't really like the results at like 100 just shoot it at 50 and see if you like it there. Um, so get yourself a test roll, shoot a couple frames at 100, shoot a couple frames at 50. Um, and, uh, you know, if you like it, it could be your next one. Um, I think there's a question that I missed out. Um, uh, we'll get to it there. You can finish your... your... So anyways, yeah. And uh, one thing I was surprised about with uh, Pro Image 100 is if you put it in an SLR and an old school flash, and I know like that aperture with the old school flashes are maybe like four or five point six, so you got to nail your focus some bit and keep your subjects, uh, you know, somewhat close, I guess. But um, it does a really good job. Like some of these photos are phenomenal. I put them in a point and shoot camera, and the flash was bright as heck. But um, I think it's a really good one. I used to be able to say I love uh, Superior, but I've seen it as high as fifteen dollars lately. So I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, either up there has a favorite for budget friendly um yeah like pro image is is a good film that's totally slept on like it's um it's definitely worth shooting for uh color i think like a, a good one 
four like cheap black and white is like the like Kentmere 400 is mm-hmm. is really good and um you know it shoots really well looks fucking awesome it's like dirt cheap uh yeah mm-hmm. paul says kodak gold kodak gold is also good but i think it's still kind of expensive right now let's see what kodak gold here is going for on today's yeah. market um oh shit it's not bad so if you can get it it's 823 in 24 exposure in 11 25 and 36 but out of stock can't get it it's hard to get because it's so uh, hot right now it's, it's, it's like hansel Walmart used to have a really good price, a three pack for 24 bucks or so, something like that. Um, but I think they increased their prices since. Cause I remember talking to somebody saying that they just bought all the gold from Walmart. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, you know, Chris says Walmart usually has. Um, they do. Yeah, and also, Paul asks, what is your favorite black and white film and do you home develop and scan? Uh, yes, so I just recently learned how to home develop uh, um, with black and white. So I went to the local camera shop. He got me set up with the supplies. Nice. Uh, and for videos, um, I highly recommend because you know everybody knows John loves learning with YouTube. Um, it, the the channel is called Analog Resurgence, and I believe it's a fellow from Toronto because all the photos that he's taken from samplers are like downtown Toronto. Uh, and he has a good 45-minute video uh, that goes over everything if you've never uh, done home development black and white. And he also just has brilliant videos for photography in general, and I, I do quite enjoy his videos. Uh, and it's local, so... Well, ex-local, I guess I moved out of town, but... Just don't drink uh, the forbidden water. <laughs> <laughs> um, Even yeah, if it so looks I- colorful like Kool-Aid, don't drink it. <laughs> So I, I do develop at home, and um, I finally invested in a scanner, which I'll show you guys here in a second. So this is my scanner uh, that I got off the internet. Um, it is on the pricier side. I think I spent almost 600 bucks for this unit. Dang. Uh, but it's a 35 millimeter only. I don't have a medium format, so I chose to just go for something like this. Uh, but plus techs are really good, and you could get a unit for maybe two to three hundred, depending on if it's used or new. Hmm. Uh, um, and plus takes plus techs are pretty good. Um, you can obviously check out YouTube for your references and stuff. So the the scanning part was very tough at first because I find a lot of these units that are they're just dated. Nobody updated them with a you know innovation or anything, right? So if you don't follow the setup procedure or um, Oh, uh, take care, Tinoy. Thanks for coming out. Um, they could be finicky, is what I find. And I think everybody has issues with scanners, regardless of where uh, you know they buy it from. Uh, but once you nail your kind of workflow uh, after you know lots and lots of research or just your perf- personal preferences, it's so rewarding to kind of get a scan as soon as you develop. And I've quite literally been out shot the whole roll and this is why i, I kind of like the 24 rolls of black and white now because i could finish the roll and then come back home and mm. see if my experiment was correct you know I, this is what i did to adjust to get my double exposure did it work out let's develop and let's scan and let's find out and uh 
Yeah. Uh, seems like most innovation in scanning as of late is in the DSLR scanning. I would agree with that. I haven't explored it, but a lot of people are getting wicked, wicked results by getting up a little setup, having their camera perfectly in line, macro lens. Um, and I think softwares like um, the one I looked into was Negative Lab Pro yeah. seems to be doing a good job, like a really good job. I had somebody recommend that uh, I should just scan with my scanner and then use Negative Lab Pro, set the white balance with your film, and the colors are amazing. We did have a comparison with, uh, we both shot uh, Kodak Pro image and um, I just scanned with whatever software came with the unit and he had done scanning with the flatbed I believe and then used negative lab pro and he was able to extract some wicked colors and mines That's were cool. still uh, so and I guess it took the guesswork out for him too I do have to follow up and see if he uh, you know had some kind of settings changed or anything like for his preferences but uh, it's a it's a whole crapshoot not a crapshoot, but I would say there's a whole big world. Like every step of the way, there's something that you can modify that your outcome will be different, right? And that's why I think my maybe uncontroversial opinion is that it's okay to make adjustments to your film photos, uh, i.e. editing your film photos. And I think some some of the earlier days when people were like, well, you're not as pure, or well, et so cetera. Here, here's the thing with that is um, anyone that says that kind of shit just needs to shut the fuck up. Because they probably jerk off to Ansel Adams and are like, oh my god, Ansel is so pure and this is fucking amazing. If you saw his unedited prints, you'd be like, who the fuck is this guy? Does he even know how cameras fucking work? All of yeah. the work that he published was heavily doctored in the dark room before Photoshop existed. Like, he was Photoshop. So yeah. this whole, like, it needs to be, shut the fuck up. It if you need it, like you can go make the image however you want, because that that's the thing. Like it's your photo. You make it the way you want. If you need to go tweak it because you want it to be different, that's fine. It's your photo. You know, I just, I hate when people make that comment where it's like, Oh, it needs to be right out of the camera. Don't edit it. It's just like, well, if you're going to take it right out of the camera, you know, you're going to have to edit it in some, if you scan it, that's kind of editing it because it's not going to be straight out of the camera. You've like interpolated it into a digital system. That's going to like, you know, fucking make it all different there. Um, even if you like printed it in the dark room, it's still not going to be out of the camera because now you're kind of throwing it into another camera of sorts. that's going to like throw it down on the paper there. So it's just like, I mean, those fucking people just need to like, you know, shut the hell up. <laughs> Yeah, but someone said photography is supposed to be fun, period. That's exactly uh, yeah. it. It's supposed to be fun. Like, you know, th those are probably the same people that will mansplain you how everything works until you want to just, like, jump off of a fucking bridge to get away from them. So, you know, there's a spicy take on that. <laughs> yeah. I, I did it a little lightly, but <laughs> I appreciate you <laughs> for doing it that way. Uh, yeah, no, and I just wanted to the main point I was, I just wanted to make sure like everybody out there is realizing that like, you know, there's so much to the process that we were just talking about that you can make it the way you want to. I forget which uh, restaurant used to say, make it the way you want to. Uh, but when <laughs> it supplies here too. I think it might be Wasn't Quiznos. That? Yeah. Quiznos or Harvey's had a, a thing like that where it's like, make it your way. Yeah. Um, 
and it's it's just such a good journey you know um i i appreciate the digital journey i don't have one anymore uh and i'm looking to purchase uh you know i always try and save up my money but you know life happens rent comes et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. and i always the digital purchase but um even the digital process is 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 fun too and it's always going to be different from the person sitting next to you mm. and that's why it's got to make that journey your own you got to make it work for you you know this is this is supposed to be pleasurable alongside i.e some people are doing it for work too but you can have pleasure in your work too and you know, for yeah, if you're not enjoying it then you probably shouldn't be doing it like, <laughs> yeah you know, unless that's your like thing like you know some people have like you know kings where they, it's like they do things that they hate just because it makes them feel good about it and if, that, if that's you all the more power to you go nuts with it but um yeah i think people just it's very subjective like what works for one person definitely won't work for other people or maybe it will who knows like it's um i don't know just don't be a dick to other people let them enjoy what they're doing and uh give props you know people deserve to be like hey that's a cool photo or be like hey that's kind of terrible <laughs> i don't know <laughs> like be honest be genuine say what's on your mind yeah well uh i like when people are honest like i've gotten some good advice out of honesty right like and like I mentioned before, everybody's got a different perspective. So you might not see something that you could be crisped up or, you know, add some value to your photos that somebody else might have seen. And um, yeah, I, I think like small things, like somebody mentioned to me, uh, uh, you know, when you take this photo, like if you had just gotten the light to glimmer off their eyes, it would look magical. And I was like, really? And then I tried it with another photo. I'm like, oh, dang. Like, <laughs> <laughs> or you could just be like, you know what? I want my photo to look fucking muddy. Go to hell. Because <laughs> that's my look, man. Yeah. Yeah. Do what feels right to you. As long as you're not hurting other people. You know, that's all that matters. Yeah. yeah and, um, Paul also mentioned here that um, Fomapan <laughs> is a great option, too. And Fomapan is great. I love Fomapan 400 had a lot of fun with that film and it's pretty cheap it's like nine bucks a roll so FOMO fan uh sorry FOMO pan also has a 200 that does very well too and 200 seems like an odd iso for a black and white i don't see anybody else throwing out 200 iso black and white um yeah it's a little different yeah they, they have some good stuff for sure um i love like trying the obscure black and white films that are like on the super budget and the things um i can't even remember their names now but downtown camera has like uh a few i think it was called like man i should have wrote these names down before i came to the chat um oh, but there was one that used to go for like five bucks and it was a 36 exposure um and no dx code no nothing and it was just like a blue canister um i don't know if they still have it but it still got me good results. Like I was like, gosh darn! Like I don't know what it, Ultrafine. Chris has got it there. Ultrafine. Ultrafine's great. Uh, it had all the ISOs and stuff, and I was like, man, like for five fifty or whatever it was at the time. Well, here I'm, I'm looking at their their website, and the cheapest film they have right now is from Astrum, and you can get yeah. that either in a sixty four ISO, thirty five mil, thirty six exposure, or in a hundred ISO. Um, 35 mil, 36 exposure, 553. It's on sale right now. 
and then Kentmere is six seventy five. That's not bad for Kentmere four hundred. Um, what's their cheapest color though? Let's see. Kodak Gold's their cheapest color, and they're out of stock. So, wah wah. Uh, what else is there? Yeah, it's just it's all black and white under ten bucks, except for Kodak Gold, which you can't get right now. <laughs> Let's see when when color starts up again. Um. Oh, Fuji two hundred, uh, Fuji Color two hundred ten fifty. Okay. Yeah. So it's not bad. They're pretty good. My problem with Fuji is I don't like how cold it is. It's just a, it's a cold film. Mm. Um, like it, it just it has more of a focus on the the blues and the greens, and I, I don't really like that. I like the uh, the more racist film Kodak. It's just warmer. <laughs> oh shit! They do their own double um, X. Yep. They they got quite a few annual products. They even have Tri-X annual, and I think it's a little bit cheaper. So, yeah, they've got um, the they do a hand roll double X for twelve bucks. Yeah. You have to buy a bunch of that. I love that film. Um, where is it? Paul says I'm kind of digging most color stuff recently with Insects White or just iPhone. And that's an interesting comment on the iPhone because um, Diane, who was on the chat a couple weeks ago, she did a whole book that was shot on iPhone, various iPhones. Like she did it over, I think it was like over seven or eight years. She did the project. So she had a bunch of different iPhones that she used throughout the project, but all the photos in the book were all shot on iPhone and they all look great. And I thought that was a a cool story because, um, she never used a real camera to take any of it. She just used an iPhone and, um, I think that shows that, uh, you know, the barrier of entry to like do cool projects and stuff like that is very low. Like you don't have to go buy some fancy expensive thing to do a cool project. Like you can do it with whatever you want. And, uh, I think there needs to be more support for that kind of stuff to let people know, like, it's totally cool to just like, you know, shoot with whatever you want. And it's not going to like, you know, make you look bad or your work be shitty because you didn't go buy a Leica or like some fancy camera to go do that project with. Yeah. And, uh, I think that that's like kind of one of the reasons why I was bringing up, let's talk about the cheaper films. And I I also had some other ideas I've been seeing that's becoming more and more popular online, Mm -hmm. uh, which is to get into your old fashioned little pocket digital camera from like 2000, maybe up to 2008 that everybody had back in the day. Like we all know that camera before we had an iPhone, we had that camera, at least one person <laughs> had an outing on that camera and they would make whole Facebook albums that were just about that night. Cause we used to be able to make albums on Facebook. Um, Absolutely, yeah. I was noticing that you could pick up these units for 20, 30 bucks. So it slept on still, I would say maybe the batteries don't last as long, but um, you know, you still have a unit to shoot with. And I'm noticing more people um, on my Instagram feed in more foreign countries, uh, uh, South Asian countries are getting into using those cameras again, like just finding them up and 
putting them on. I think some YouTubers might be getting back into like exploring that option as well. Um, and I think it's really cool. I think, you know, finding one, whether it's from your thrift store for 10, 20 bucks, 30, uh, or getting it off eBay or even a garage sale might be worth it to try and do a project uh, with that or just, you know, a lower barrier to access. You don't have to develop, you don't have to pay for that. You can just get a nice file uh, and work with it off your computer, right? Absolutely, uh, yeah. So if anybody in the chat's uh, thinking about a low barrier way to get in, give well, and Alex says here that a lot of Canon point and shoots can be hacked to shoot raw too. So that that's a cool thing to uh, to know. You can can make it the way you want to by editing the raw. <laughs> yeah, you can shoot like ODB. Yeah. <laughs> I thought uh, some of the cool things uh, about those um, Digi cameras was uh, I think some of them like they're so old that the biggest SD card you could put into it is like four gigabytes. Okay, and then the market right now you can't find a gigabyte an sd card yeah you, you can't find them that that's actually kind of funny yeah um, so you, you know things have come along and then paul says that he's working on a project using an iphone with the hipstamatic app do you remember that the hipstamatic app hipstamatic app no but you gotta remind <clears> me so hip hipstamatic was like a, a thing before instagram started where you could take like it had it was like the original like filter camera thing for iphone before instagram filters kind of took off so that's kind of hilarious that he's doing a project with that i think that's rad i'm surprised the app is still like on the phone <laughs> <laughs> yeah right um yeah i think i got instagram in 2012 and at that point we had filters in that point in time but uh oh yeah they had I filters forever on that thing like, the kind of smartphone game I um I had like a Sony Ericsson and a Nokia with a number pad mm -hmm. until like second year of university and uh, in a way it was kind of nice it was a much easier life. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, fair. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, you get ideas from all kinds of places. That's awesome. Uh, I'm definitely gonna follow up on that project once it comes out. It'd be nice to see. And downtown camera's out of stock on so much stuff. It's so sad. Yeah. I feel like in the, the pandemic, it almost seemed like you purchased when you saw, you saw their stories, like X film is in stock, and you go online and buy a couple rolls, pick it up. If you're local, send it out. Yeah. Uh, kind of seems to be the way to go. Um, all the color film seems to be what is mostly a stock. Yeah. Which is what I'd kind of like, because I'm sort of out of color film. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, privileged people problems, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, dude, man, it's been so great chatting with you. I appreciate you taking the time to hang out with me for a little bit and uh, continue on the the chat. Like it's uh, it's wild that it's still going. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very humbled that like you know people people want to hang out with me for for an hour or so and and uh, bullshit. Fucking Tom, you are the MVP. Um, thank you for hanging in with us there. Uh, if you don't follow Tom or you go, 
um, at, uh, at Kodak. Definitely give Tom uh, a follow. He's uh, the greatest of all time for sure. Love that guy so much. And uh, I can't wait to, uh, to actually hang out with him in person one day and, and go some go shoot some stuff. So thank you, Tim. You're the best. I appreciate hanging out, man. Um, yeah. I'm actually going to buy a bunch of Kodak. Because it's been a while since I bought some Kodak. The last time I bought a ton of Kodak was the first price hike they did in like 20, 2019. Um, Tim, did I say, did I not say Tim? Oh shit. Sorry. I'm Tom oh shit. I'm sorry. Fuck Tim. I am. I'm, it's been a long day of talking. So my, my brain is, uh, is kind of mushy. <laughs> so yeah. I'm going to give myself one no not that one this one oh, that's what i get for that one i'm sorry I'm Tim. <laughs> um yeah the last time i bought a bunch of kodak was like the first price hike and i just finally shot the last little bit of that so it's time it's time to buy a bunch more before the next price hike <laughs> all right but thanks for hanging out with me man it was it was uh, awesome to chat with you and uh, I look forward to seeing how your double exposure project goes. I'm excited for that. And uh, just, uh, yeah, I do have sound effects now. Um, I upgraded the chat and I have like a fancy recorder thingy. So that's why I got the fancy microphone and stuffs. And I got like intro music, natural music. It's, it's like we're, we're a legit thing now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man. Thank you so much again, and uh, hope everyone stays safe out there. I'm going to play the outro music while we're doing this. We'll, we'll have Mr. Mocha walk us out. And, uh, yeah, next week I'm going to have uh, Kate Goss on, a uh, photographer from New York, and uh, it should be really uh, exciting to chat with her. Thank you again so much, John. Um, thank you everyone for hanging out with us and like tuning in every week. Um, I appreciate and love all you guys. I hope you stay safe out there. Um, and just keep doing stuff you have fun with and just enjoy it. You know, just don't be dicks to each other. We'll get through this. All right. Thanks, man. Love you guys. All right. Bye. Bye.